Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Tuesday, November 1st. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Well, we're a week out from the midterms, so in the next few days, we'll be looking at the candidates in the major races across the DMV, starting in Virginia's 7th District. That includes Prince William, Stafford, and Spotsylvania counties. WTOP's congressional correspondent Mitchell Miller sat down with Democratic incumbent Abigail Spamberger. Even though the ads portray her as completely in lockstep with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she's been at times critical of the Democratic leadership. And we also talk about Republican candidate Yesley Vega, whose campaign is energizing the right in the Commonwealth, making this race too close to call. Last week, former President Trump endorsed Yesley Vega. Hmm. And interestingly enough, she has not touted that endorsement. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. Well, it's a slugfest in Virginia's 7th District this campaign season. The ads are brutal. Here's one for Democratic incumbent Abigail Spanberger. First, Yesley Vega cheered the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Next, Vega was caught on tape saying women can't get pregnant from rape. Then she made clear she favors a total ban on abortion, with no exceptions. And Republican candidate Yesley Vega doesn't pull any punches either. Washington liberals are out of control. Higher taxes, reckless spending, Democrats driving us off a cliff. Families are struggling more than ever. And Washington politicians don't take responsibility for their actions. But whose fault is it really? Biden, Pelosi, and Spanberger's reckless spending is driving up inflation. And it's a close and expensive race. The Cook Political Report lists this race as a toss-up, and $11 million sits between the two candidates vying for a seat in the House of Representatives. To give us more perspective on this race, WTOP's Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller joins us now from inside the Capitol. Mitch, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Sure thing. Um, There's a lot riding on this race for both parties. How important are these races for the midterms? These are really big races because Abigail Spanberger was one of many women that were elected in the 2018 midterms for Democrats, where Democrats thought that they had found this formula of solid centrist candidates who also uh, a lot of them had some kind of either military background or in the case of Abigail Spanberger, uh, a former CIA worker. She is somebody who has also law enforcement background as well. So there was a thinking among Democrats that this would kind of inure them, if you will, mm-hmm. against charges, for example, that uh, Republicans are really flying with this year about being soft on crime. And so Abigail Spanberger is one of those people that the Democrats thought would be really the political future of their party. And right now they are teetering in all these districts across the country. Her district, there's another one, Alyssa Slotkin, who's friends with her in Michigan, also in a very tough race. So nationally, this is also being looked at by the Democratic Party and Republicans as a very pivotal race, because really, once you see which way this race goes on election night, it could tell us a lot about what the rest of the country is going to do in these House races. Mm, A benchmark, if you will. Now, let's transition a little bit to Yesley Vega, her competitor. We're going to get to all the issues in a little bit, but can you tell us who she is? 
Yes, Lee Vega has a very compelling story as a Republican candidate. She is her family is originally from El Salvador. She was born in Texas. Uh, her brother at one point was shot by MS-13, the gang, and that really got her into law enforcement. And she uh, got into law enforcement. She gave, became an auxiliary uh, deputy sheriff in Prince William County, and then she became elected to the Prince William County Board of Supervisors. And a lot of people thought, okay, well, she is going to be a big time advocate for Latinos in the region, which of mm -hmm. course we know that the population has surged in Northern Virginia and she has, but she's also been something of a lightning rod within the Latino community. A lot of Latinos do not agree with her on some of the positions she's taken in connection, for example, with immigration. She's been very tough on it. And I think that stems in part from her background and her law enforcement. And she's also been a big advocate of um, gun rights. And so it's an interesting story that she has to tell. And she's really been a dynamic person out on the campaign trail. She holds these rallies. They're very high energy. I want you to look at my face. I want you to read my story. Because we embody everything that makes this country the greatest. There's a lot of people attending them, and she's really kind of come out of nowhere over the last few years to be a real political force in Northern Virginia. And I know, Mitch, you were assigned to cover this race. So weeks ago, you reached out to both candidates, you know, scheduled to sit down and make sure you talk to them about the issues that they want to uh, campaign on. But we haven't sat down with Vega. Is that correct? That's correct. We put in several requests to her and we'd really like to talk to her. But for whatever reason, we have not heard back from her. Now, we do know, obviously, her positions on a lot of these issues. Right. Uh, and there's been a huge back and forth, as we know, uh, on the uh, TV airwaves between these two candidates. So certainly a lot to discuss here. And mm. you talked with uh, Abigail Spamberger. What did she have to say as far as like the issues that she finds most important for her campaign? Well, you know, she's trying to do this delicate dance that a lot of the Democrats are in that they are facing these huge political headwinds on the economy and inflation. She's trying in, in some ways, like other Democrats, to stress that the fact that they did the infrastructure bill, that they passed this recent legislation that is going to bring down health costs. I'm proud that we have voted and there's now a law that will allow Medicare to negotiate the cost of prescription drugs and put a cap on out-of-pocket costs for seniors. Uh, so she stressed a lot of the traditional uh, things that many of the Democratic candidates are, are doing. But also what she's done is something a little bit different. And this is because she's a centrist candidate, even though the ads portray her as completely in lockstep with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, she has actually been somewhat independent in connection with that. Uh, she doesn't uh, necessarily say that she would even back House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the event that the House, unlikely, but if the House did return to Democrats, I did not vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House in 2019 when I was first sworn in, and I did not vote for her in 2021 at the beginning of my second term. And depending upon who's running, I will not vote for her next year. Uh, she's kept some space there, and she's been at times critical of the Democratic leadership, saying that the Democrats really need new leadership, that they need younger people coming in to the top of the Democratic Party. So in terms of what she stressed, though, for the uh, 7th District, keep in mind that the 7th District was redrawn. So mm. she is dealing with a totally different type of district than she was uh, just a few years ago. And I talked to her about that. And, you know, she lost close to about a quarter of a million people around 
around the Richmond area. A lot of them are Democrats, so it makes it tougher for her to get reelected. So she said, even though that a lot of the district she still represents, she's been trying to reintroduce herself mm -hmm. basically to a lot of constituents across the seventh district. The seventh district is huge. It stretches across many, many uh, localities and counties, as you know, uh, kind of the heart of it is around Fredericksburg, but it goes out to Culpeper and comes up into Prince William County, obviously. Uh, so she has a lot of ground to, to cover. And also what's interesting about the district is it's both uh, rural and uh, you know, a lot of urban too. So yeah. there's a lot of back and forth about trying to balance the interests there. Now, we haven't talked about the issue of abortion, which is a large issue here. Where does Spanberger stand on abortion? On abortion, she basically takes the traditional position of many other Democrats. She wants to codify Roe versus Wade. She believes that, uh, that the decision by the U.S. Supreme Court by Dobbs was wrong earlier this year, and she has really hammered home that position throughout the campaign. This is an area where the difference between my opponent and me really couldn't be starker. Uh, I believe that decisions about a woman's reproductive choices should be left to a woman and her doctor. And I, as a legislator, have no place to mandate what a woman does or doesn't do. That is contrasted, of course, with her opponent, Yesli Vega, who has made it very clear that she opposes abortion rights. Mm -hmm. She does uh, allow for some exceptions in connection with rape or incest. But as you're well aware, there was an early quote that she was caught on Mike stating uh, early in the campaign where Yesli Vega was asked by a constituent uh, about whether or not maybe a person who is raped, if it's possible, that they might not get pregnant. I'm a law enforcement officer. I became a police officer in 2011. Yeah. I've worked one case where as a result of a rape, yeah. the young woman became pregnant. Really? But she has since tried to distance herself from that position. In fact, she's effectively said that she didn't really say what was portrayed in that uh, quote, mm -hmm. which came in an Axios report early on in the campaign. So that's been one where Abigail Spanberger has really honed in on both in advertising and in criticism when she does interviews. Mm. Um, we'd be remiss not to talk about the Yunkin effect here and how Virginia really has gone more to the right in the last uh, year, two, two years or so. Um, are you seeing that in this race, especially when it comes to like maybe like the January 6th, um, the insurrection and, and how Vega has kind of connected there? I, I don't know if there's anything there, but I wanted to ask you about it. Right. Well, there's definitely uh, an effect there. And there is a, clearly a strong push on the Republican side uh, for yes. Leslie Vega and Glenn Youngkin has been a big supporter for her. Listen, Abigail Spamberger, she has voted 100% of the time this Congress with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, 100% of the time. Also, what's interesting uh, in connection with issues that bubble up related to January 6th, just uh, last week, former President Trump endorsed Yesley Vega. Hmm. And interestingly enough, she has not touted that endorsement. So, in you know, talking about Glenn Youngkin, remember when he was elected, he kind of did that balance where he was appreciative of the support for Donald Trump, but didn't try to link himself too much. Now we see Yesley Vega doing kind of a similar thing where she doesn't really say anything. She says, I'm just running my own race. Mm -hmm. But she has been 
uh, a big supporter of the January 6th uh, people that were actually here, she says, protesting around the Capitol. Uh, she's made it, you know, no bones about it, that she thinks that some of them had their uh, rights violated by the fact that they were arrested. Uh, Abigail Spanberger has been very critical of that uh, in her own right, uh, stating that there shouldn't really be any sympathy for these people that have actually rushed into the Capitol and caused the insurrection. So that has been a flashpoint at times during this campaign. Now, in the polls, we've seen that the economy is really the biggest issue in front of voters. That's one that Republicans have campaigned on a lot. Has Vega talked about the economy and what she would do if elected? She has, but it's interesting. Uh, when asked about that directly, she has said, I would do exactly opposite what Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger has done. So that's kind of a nice line when you're speaking at a rally, but on, by the same token, she hasn't really laid out any specific plans mm. other than saying that the spending needs to be cut back. And that's kind of goes in line with overall GOP right. is they say they will cut spending and that that will help to bring down inflation. Uh, she has run an ad. Uh, she ran an early ad uh, where she actually showed herself uh, with a shopping cart in a supermarket talking about these high prices and inflation. So she's right in the, you know, the the strong sales of what the Republican message has been throughout this campaign, really hammering home that issue, but not necessarily outlining specific plans to address it. Hmm. It's a really interesting race. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. It's one of the most preeminent races in our region, for sure. Mitch Miller, our Capitol Hill correspondent, thank you so much for your insight on this. We appreciate it. You bet. And after the break, Swifties in D.C. are up in arms and for good reason. We'll tell you why we think the nation's capital missed out on Taylor Swift's latest tour. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms. And before we start, just want to preface this kind of segment we're about to do, that Megan and I are uh, just kind of throwing out theories. We, we know we know not. <laughs> and by Megan and I, you mean you. Yes, maybe because, just me. <laughs> because you have a pretty, I think it's actually a pretty solid theory, though. Yeah, well, so backing up here, Taylor Swift released her new album, Midnight's. You know, I listened to a little bit of it. And just today, she announced her tour. Now, she hasn't gone on tour in a long time. It's been long awaited. Really? And the cities, you know, were released where she's going to go on her tour. 27 cities across the country. Okay. D.C. is not included. Oof. And if you look at these cities, it's like, oh, like... Oh, that's such a know, bummer for people like, here, big fans. Totally. Uh. And D.C. definitely should have been on it, but... The big question is, and what people in D.C. and the D.C. region are asking, are like, why the heck 
is she not coming here? And I think I know why. Wait, you're saying they're asking this like on Twitter or like where are you seeing this yeah, yeah. conversation happening? Yeah, on Twitter happening? in conversation. Now, again, I'm not, I, I like could not sing to you a Taylor Swift song. Lies. That is lies. No, I seriously couldn't. That is such, no, come no, on. No, seriously. Not one. Legitimately. Wait a minute. No, okay, I'm not sh- talking about off shake this it album. Off. I could do like shake it off like sure, but I couldn't like give you, I'm not like a deep, deep fan, but I think Taylor Swift is a symbol of something. You know, like I think she's a very notable pop culture definitely, yeah. person. So yeah. I think it's very meaningful that she's not coming to DC because it comes on the heels of the World Cup not selecting the Baltimore and DC bid. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see a real trend here where these huge events, whether it's sports events like the World Cup or this massive, insane Capital One Taylor <laughs> Swift concert series well, d- is not coming to the nation's capital because FedEx just ain't it. It was literally voted the worst NFL stadium. We did a story on it. And it's like an old stadium. It doesn't have the proper sound equipment. I'm thinking, again, these are all theories. And I just don't think it's attractive for these huge events. And that's a huge problem for our region, I Wait think. Wait a minute. So you don't think it has anything to do with the commanders or anything like that? You think it's more about just the stadium, like the infrastructure? Mm, that theory, I would write my name next to but lightly you know with like in pencil like i wouldn't put my pen next to that theory okay like that's, right. that's sure May, maybe there's some political well, motivations but that doesn't here. make any sense because she, she could come to m&t bank stadium in baltimore but that's baltimore like i, I, I guess mean, I, I guess that's true i would want I mean, her to come to dc for the dc fans but it's weird that she your stadium thing falls apart if she's didn't pick baltimore either. well she's going to philly right and philly's like really close to baltimore it's like okay it, the choice would be Philly or Baltimore. D.C. is like, you know, D.C. is maybe two hours from Philly. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's like the outlier. If you're going to if you're gonna go to Philly, you know, you would go to D.C. And you, she's not going to D.C. <laughs> and I think it's the start of a trend. And until D.C. gets a, a proper new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is just me kind of having fun with this idea. <laughs> but I, I, the Washingtonian did an article about it that kind of echoed some of these theories that I had. Um, and I've seen some other kind of Twitter threads of a similar nature. I get what you're saying. I don't know that I would put World Cup and Taylor Swift on the same level, per se. I'd say they're part of a similar trend. Obviously, the World Cup's way bigger and would garner so many more fans and yada, yada, yada. But- right. But, yeah. But it is – It's a. It, it, I mean, it's funny because even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, that's a lot of money. <laughs> People yes. travel no, here. The they region. spend a lot of money down – you know, 100%. if they're going to go downtown for it. She yeah. could have two small Capital One arenas, but – like concerts, but – Yeah. Not I, happening, I people. Not, not happening. So, heart goes out to all those Taylor Swift fans in D.C. who, who don't have a, a concert to go to in their own city. Womp, womp. Bummer. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you're one of them, and that'll do it for us today on the DMV <laughs> Download. We are brought to you by Steamfetters Local 602, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. You can also find us on social media. We're posting content every day. You can find us also at dmvdownload.com on the World Wide Web. Oh, yeah. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 in D.C., 107.7 in Virginia, 103.9 in Frederick, online at WTOP.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a good night.